0: Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And
1: I'm Lucas Stock.
0: This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. We thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So Lucas, today we're in our creeds and confessions that we started last week. Uh, this time, we're going to continue on with the Nicene Creed, going into part two, where we talk about the Son. Uh, so without any further ado, let's just jump into this one.
1: Sweet. I'll, uh, I'll read it, and then we'll just kind of work our way through it, kind of like we did last time. Seems to be the easiest way to do this. Um, so picking up where we left off with the, the second part. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. So there's a lot here. We're probably <laughs> not going to touch on everything and we're probably going to touch on some stuff more than others. You know, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes, I guess. But um, this is definitely the, the meatiest section. And I think, it, you know, I mean, this is not at all to imply any sort of hierarchy within the Trinity, but I think it kind of makes sense that the Son is the one we talk the most about in terms of um, who he is, what he's done. And a lot of these little things about him in this first half of this section come from like really intense fights in the early church over trying to work out and understand who jesus was who jesus is um and i think that's part of what makes this such a long section especially Mm -hmm. compared to you know the one sentence that (laughs) the father gets that's not saying that oh we like jesus more than the father that wouldn't really make any sense um it's i think it reflects this really really long arduous process that that Christians really have, have always been undertaking, but especially as we see in the first few centuries leading up to when this creed was written, the, um, like I said, debates and the fights over who Jesus is, how do we talk about him, what do we ascribe to him, um, what don't we ascribe to him, what, what do we not want to say about him? I think a lot of that is what we see in this, you know, first half of this section of the creed which which like i said kind of i think contributes to why it's so long um so you know the first one that i that jumps out at me is is only begotten and Hmm. then eternally begotten so he's he's the only begotten son of god and he's eternally begotten of the father Um, and the reason it jumps out to me is first of all begotten is kind of a um important word it might not seem it at first but it's it's quite a loaded theological word um and then also it's it's repeated which is kind of interesting yeah he's the only begotten son of god the eternally begotten of the father like it 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 kind of makes it you know drives the point home i think a little bit um obviously only begotten son of god i think of john 3:16 um i i can't remember if there's another like specific verse where you know, only begotten is used of of Jesus. Um, But I know um, the big one, you know, the most obvious one is John 3.16, and we can see that language in Scripture of, um, you know, Jesus, this, as we'll see, this person, Jesus, is God's only begotten son, which is pretty... I mean ineffable like just there's no words to describe really the you know cosmic metaphysical significance of we're saying that this person is actually God Um, but that is what we're what we're saying you know that's what he says that's what we say and that's what the spirit testifies to and he is God's only begotten son he is the Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten son of God But that begottenness is not the same as our begottenness. You know, like I was begotten of my parents. Um, I'm not their only begotten. I have two siblings, but um, (laughs) I was begotten of them. But that's not the same (laughs) as Jesus's begottenness of God, of the father specifically. Um, He was eternally begotten. So, we're not talking about some kind of creation of Jesus, right? The, this, the, the only begotten son of God was not a creature who was made. At some point, God be, begat him, you know, as, as, as the famous ancient Arian heresy used to say, there was a time when he was not. That, that, is, that is exactly what the creed is fighting against. There was not a time When Jesus was not. He is eternally begotten. But he is eternally begotten because he is the son of God. Um, He's not the brother of God. He's not the father of the father. He's not, um, you know, it's this language of begottenness gets at the relationship that we see between the father and the son in, you know, within the life of the Trinity as it's been revealed in scripture, which I don't know. That's kind of all I want to say about that because that's probably a whole episode plus on its own. Um, but yeah, so begottenness is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and like,
0: I think if you've listened to our, our heresies episodes, we, we, you know, last month we spent the entire month looking at heresies. And specifically, one week we talked about Christological heresies. And so, a number of the Christological heresies that we talked about. Uh, this this creed is directly trying to, you know, counteract, I guess. And, you know, yeah, begotten is one of those words. Um, as we will see, I think, next week, there's going to be a little bit more of that that comes into play. Um, but it's interesting because when we looked at the Father last week, uh, it says that he was, you know, the maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And now we see in this same creed that through him, all things were made. And I don't, I don't know exactly what version you're reading as you were reading what you have. It was slightly different than what's on my screen. So maybe there's slightly, I know there's slightly different translations um, depending on your tradition and everything. Um, But that's an interesting caveat that both the father and the son are in this creation process. And, yeah. It's something that I think, especially when you think of a Trinitarian God, like it's a no-brainer. Like, of course, all three members are going to be there. You know, the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. Um, and in Genesis, you don't necessarily know that the Son is there. But now, both in the New Testament, you know, in John 1, and now in this creed, uh, they're essentially teaching that, that, yeah, that Jesus is not just a man, but that he is eternally begotten, and he's also the one through whom all things are made. And again, to quote our ever-famous passage of even Colossians 1, in him all things hold together. Um, it's just kind of cool to see to see this fleshed out. Like I'm trying to imagine what it was like to have been at this council where this creed is being drafted and drawn up and any of the confessions even, like the, the much longer, you know, articulations of our faith. Um, but to be one of the the people who's sitting there really thinking deeply and profoundly, you know, theologically about who Jesus is, uh, being more than a mere man, being more than the appearance of God as a a real man or whatever distortion they were trying to push against. I just, I think it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we see, you know, in in the lines leading up to through him, all things were made. It's just kind of hammering home, you know what we talked about with with his being the son of God. He's he's God from God. He's light from light. True God from true God. Um, and this goes back to what you were saying. They're really pushing back against these distortions of who, you know, of different misunderstandings of who Christ is. Um, he's he's God. He's true God from true God. He's not a creature. He's not a man who was adopted. Um, he's begotten that comes you know the third time, not made. He's he's eternally begotten. He's not made. He's not a creature. He's not created, um, and which is which is of course necessary if you're going to say that through him all things were made. You, you know, like it. Well, I mean, you could argue it's not necessary, but I think that the fact that he is eternal, that he is true God, then makes it very obvious that he would be the one through whom all things were made. Um, because he's not this lesser deity, this half deity, this creature that was sort of came after God. You know, he is God. He's true God from true God. And I'll give you all, you know, since I'm, you know, a genius, an expert, the most educated person ever, I'll give you all a a Greek lesson of one being with the Father. Homo We talked a little bit in our... Christological heresies episode about the term usias usia, which basically means nature or essence. Um, Homo is is a prefix, basically just means the same. He's he's of one being. He's of the same essence of the Father. So again, there's this intensely emphasized unity between the Son and the Father that extends beyond just their relationship as son and father but down to their very usia their very essence their very substance is the same it's not different he's not a lesser god he's not another god he's not a creature and that's just again it's at this point you know just like almost like a broken record like yeah he's god we get it but like there's a reason they're they're hammering this home so hard as it needed to be um and it's 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 sometimes i think difficult for us to fully appreciate that because we're, you know, 1,700 years down the road benefiting from, you know, growing up with this creed or at least growing up with its theology, even if we haven't, um, you know, grown up reciting it every week in church or whatever. Um, This is Orthodox theology. This is Orthodox um, doctrines of God and Christ and, and, it needed to be hammered out so explicitly because it was such a contentious um, issue and question of who is Jesus? What do we say about him? Um, and and I think the creed, you know, it, it's almost like deceptively simple, but it's so, like you're saying, just imagine being there like, this sentence doesn't come out of nowhere. You know, like how how many hours and and how many minds it took to, take all of these humongous ideas that we've debated and we've, we've come to conclusions on and then distill them down into this, you know, half of a sentence. Like, um, it's, it, I think it, it is worth, you know, meditating on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so this is who we believe in, one Lord, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, eternal, same being, not made, through whom all things were made. So kind of like we mentioned last week, like we're right off the bat just getting some pretty astounding <laughs> descriptions of this person. um and they're, you know, going back to Colossians one, they're pretty they're pretty cosmic, you know, he made everything, and he is the same as God. Um, and then it kind of shifts gears a little bit, I think I'd say. Um, and we have the the next section, which is a little bit more, I don't know how to say this. Practical. It's almost uh, like a
0: just like a like yeah practical like how it applies like why it's why it matters like why it matters yeah.
1: that who, who Jesus
0: is and what he's done.
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of gives a little bit more detail. I think detail for us, and then also detail um, about Jesus in terms of his life on Earth, which is also incredibly important and part of this you know debate and questioning that had to be done about what do we say about Jesus. Well, for us. And for our salvation, which is really, like, oftentimes in, in church when we recite this, I, I kind of, my mind kind of hangs out there for a little bit. Like, it's such a profound statement of just recognizing, um, you know, <laughs> why Jesus did what he did. You know, for us and for our salvation, it, it's it's quite amazing. Um, and what did he do? He came down from heaven and was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Um, so again, we have this. They're pushing back against these false ideas. He comes. He's incarnate. This God is is made man from the Holy Spirit. So we know he's divine, especially as we'll see at the end of the creed, and the Virgin Mary. So we know he's human. It's both. He's fully God and fully human. He's not sort of human or sort of God or mainly human or mainly God. He is God-made man, Um, which, you know, we could spend an eternity. We We will spend an (laughs) eternity.
0: I feel like, which sounds ridiculous, but the fact that we take the incarnation for granted, I mean, we celebrate a holiday every year called Christmas in which we are celebrating God becoming a man, the pre incarnate eternal creator of the cosmos became a man, and it's maybe because I don't know why, maybe it's just presence and Santa Claus is just that attractive and appealing that we neglect this unbelievable fact of human history. Um, but it, yeah, it, it blows your mind when you actually stop to think like, think about John 1, like, read John 1, 1 through 18, like, right now, pause our episode. Read John 1, 1 through 18, and tell me that you are not just floored, that your, that your jaw is not on the floor. Uh, the fact that in the beginning was the word. So we're, we're, someone's in the beginning, and we're going to come to find out that it's Jesus. And this word came to earth. He tabernacled among us. And why? For us and for our salvation. And that's what I like about that first part of, of where it talks about Jesus. It's, it's talking about his person. It's talking about who he is. And now mm. we're talking about his work and what he's mm. done. So in this part of the creed, in this second section, we get the person and work of Christ. And they are, I mean, intimately tied together. You can't separate them. Um, but to, yeah. to sort of delineate what he came to do for our salvation. And it's outlining all these just like the really big, like think about like spark notes. Like these are the spark notes of, of <laughs> Jesus's life, if you can even say that. But yeah, it's, it's profound when you actually stop to think about it. And I, I thought at this point, it'd be good to read. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, this book, um, Is Jesus Truly God? How the Bible Teaches the Divinity of Christ by Greg Lanier. And he in his conclusion, he says, The enfleshing of God as Jesus Christ is how God has been unveiled, expounded, explained, and manifested to the world. That, in short, is what the orthodox teaching of the church has been all along. And then he says it's eventually expressed in the creeds. Um, But that, that fact that God became human flesh, like just dwell on that reality this week and tell me that it doesn't change your perception of, I mean, at least of who God is, but also of like what that means for humanity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to kind of take a quick sec to zoom out a little bit. Because you made a really good point that we didn't make last week, and I want to make before next week. We have the person and the work, like you said, of Jesus. You know who he is and what he's done or, or doing, and we'll get to the rest of of what he's done in a second. Um, but that that's also what we see in the first part. One God, who is the Father, the Almighty Maker of everything. So we see it, You know, it's it's a lot quicker, but we see who God is alongside or, you know, therefore, we also see what he's done, you know, what his work is or what his work was. Um, And we see it again with Jesus. And what I think is really important is that pattern. The reason I I want to point out and I like to point out that pattern is I think it's going to come, it's going to be really important in the third section. When we talk about the Spirit next week, so I kind of want to like call back to last week and and you know wet your whistle a little bit for next week on that point of of the 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 um, the Creed is presenting each person and their respective work in this very seamless way that it's easy to miss, um, and I w- I think you know we'll talk a little bit next week. I think it's easiest to miss in the Holy Spirit section which is also like the worst place to miss it, I would say. But, but um, I think that it's worth pointing out because I know for me, it, it really, I, I, I that was pointed out to me and I was like, whoa, how did I never notice this? Like, that's huge. Um, so I think it's really key to keep that in mind as we think in sort of broader, like, you know, not just the content, but like the structure. What is this creed accomplishing and how is it going out to do it? It's important to keep in mind that what it's doing is laying out the essentials of the faith by telling us who God is in His three persons. Is that how you say that? In His three persons, who God is in three persons, and what these three divine persons have done. So, continuing with what Jesus has done, you know, he he was incarnate, he he was crucified. I'm sorry. We haven't gotten to that. He was crucified. Um, he suffered death and was buried. Go back and listen to our Apostles Creed episode, which was like, golly, like, probably like third episode. Wow. It was really? episode
0: number three. Yeah, way back in like end of February, beginning of March of
1: Thanks. this year. Ambitious. Well, I'm kind of glad. I mean, I guess it makes sense. We, we, you know, it makes sense. We,
0: we were calling it the essence of the Christian faith, yeah. which, you know, is a pretty, for a theological podcast, that's a good place to start.
1: Yeah, very good place to start. But we you i shouldn't say we have a really really good discussion of of suffering death and 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 uh here you know in my translation was buried in the apostles creed he descended to the dead or he descended unto hell um you know this is kind of the that parallel is he's he's crucified he's died he dies he's buried um what happens in that is huge and and you know we've already um released that episode so go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it or if it's been a while because it has been a while um but that's a really really important discussion and um it's just it's so cool <laughs> to think about. i will say i at
0: some point i do want to have just an episode where we talk about he descended to the dead i might even want to see if we can bring matt emerson on because that would be super cool um, hey matt
1: i know you're listening i know you really <laughs> admire us so <laughs> so come on dm us
0: come on in <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, sorry.
1: No, 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 no. Um, and, you know, he, on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. I'm, I'm sort of skipping through that, not because they're unimportant. Um, it, you know, on the one hand, they're very familiar, like you said, spark notes of the gospel story. You know, we've got Jesus' birth um, into human life his, his crucifixion you know holy saturday easter and then the ascension and then the future end of of history when he you know fulfills everything and he comes back and um, we could spend our whole lives thinking about and talking about any one of those parts of the story um, i don't know that you know we're going a little long for a Friday episode, so I don't—I don't know that we really need to, um, but that's not to diminish how important all of these parts of the story are. I mean, I mean, there's a like—I'm serious when I say we could spend our whole lives talking about he ascended into heaven. Like, I really don't think that's an exaggeration. Right. That, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and but but like again, kind of zooming out, you know, this is supposed to be about creeds and confessions, you know as a series as a whole what is the creed doing he's we're talking about who jesus is and we get the gospel story presented to us point by point um from beginning to end the the historical real actual events of jesus's life going from birth incarnation all the way up to his ascension and then pointing forward to what has not yet happened when he returns to inaugurate His kingdom which does not last a thousand
0: years (laughs) well i was gonna i was gonna make i was gonna make a point we've had a millennial episode where we talked about the views of the the millennium the thousand years I, i i'm gonna say this right here right now guys as we make our way through these historic creeds and confessions i want this is something that fascinates me i want to keep our eyes focused on i mean everything we're saying But when we start talking about Jesus and his second coming, I want to be really like I want to really hone in on the language that the creeds and the confessions use, because I'm convinced that like the premillennial, especially dispensational view is nowhere to be found in church history as expressed in creeds and confessions that I mean, as we do this, what this was like early 300s or something. And I imagine if we go through the Westminster, um, you know, that's what the the 15, no the um 16 1700s so like something like that that's a pretty big swath that we're going to cover of, of church history where there's not going to be much language about about dispensational theology that's a complete sidebar like it'll be fun to look at um, yeah. but it is at least fascinating to consider that you know this this theology that's so prevalent today has very little evidence i guess to it being attested to in, in early creeds and confessions
1: now, one thing that is interesting that I also think on this, you know, specifically on He Will Come in Again in Glory to Judge the Living and the Dead, um, sort of important to note, helpful to note, interesting to note, but in a slightly different direction than that, is um, that, so sh- surely, you know, without a doubt, um, you the... The early church, the medieval church, the Reformation church knew nothing of dispensationalism, you know, proper. Um, there, there has always been in a lot of early sources, um, or, or I mean, historic sources. Um, like Luther talks about this a lot. You'll you'll hear talk about like kiliasm, c h i l, i a l i s m, which comes from the Greek word for a thousand. Um, there, there has always been a premillennial, you know, contingent within the church, but it's always been small. It's never been dispensational before dispensationalism, which that's a different conversation. Um, but what I wanted to highlight is, um, that's that's not to push back against what you're saying, but it's to highlight that the Creed doesn't say anything about a millennium. It doesn't say anything about his kingdom. It doesn't say anything about his coming other than he's coming back for judgment to inaugurate his kingdom. And what I think is really important is that um, when we're we're talking about the last things, you know, eschatology, we're talking about the end times, whatever, there is a creedal, uh, you know, something creedal is at stake. But what is not at stake is when he comes back or what it looks like when he comes back or who's left on earth or not left on earth or you know all of that kind of stuff um or what does his kingdom look like for the first little bit before eternity starts you know we have that episode you and I both agree <laughs> like um but what's the 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 fence and the boundary that that the the creed is presenting us is not um, we have to scour the pages of the prophets and of Revelation to try and piece together a timeline that if we get wrong, you know, we're not Christians or right. we're not good yeah. Christians, you That's know? That's a good point. Um, which, a, another sidebar, but I, I just think is worth, is worth noting, it, is that, it, you know, you're exactly right. There's no, there's no talk of a, of a premillennial kingdom here or a premillennial rapture followed by a millennial kingdom. Um, it's not excluded here, which I think is well worth noting, especially for anyone who holds to that, because there are people who have always held to it in various forms that are more or less, you know, well thought out and, (laughs) and biblically based. Um, but I'm not here to say that, you know, to imagine that all forms of it are off the table. Yeah. There are right. some forms that I think are off the table for other reasons. <laughs> but <laughs> um but I do think it's 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 important to note that like the end times are really important. They get mentioned here. But it's also important to note the way that they get mentioned. Yeah. is is not the way that our conversations today around end times are usually framed. At least in my experience, they're usually a little bit more you know intense maybe, maybe serious, we need to retrieve
0: this attitude regarding end times we'll retrieve to renew this spirit of speaking about the end times that we we know that they're important we know that they're we know that they're coming we can put our hope and trust in that fact that jesus will come again how he comes for how long how that all plays out is it'll be determined and it is determined but it is yet to be seen so yeah we we wait we pray we hope um but Speaking of end of times, the end of all things, uh, we have come to the end of this episode. Um, <laughs> we, we thank you for listening to a half an hour version of our Friday, what's supposed to be a shorter episode, but this was a very long, you know, segment of the Nicene Creed. It, we, we figured it was worth exploring some of these things in a little bit more detail. So if you've listened this far, we thank you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram uh, at Doxology Podcast. Uh, We're not on Parlay. We're not on Facebook. So sorry. But uh, you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, questions, episode ideas. Feel free to sign up for our newsletter and get exclusive insights into what's going on. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Peace. See ya.